Times of crisis are often remarkably difficult as you and I are experiencing right now. But times of crisis and difficulty also provide us with incredible opportunities for change and transformation. Welcome to the GBC Sermon Podcast, a weekly podcast from Gamia Baptist Church in Sydney, Australia. I'm Mark Rader, Senior Pastor here at GBC, and I hope that wherever you are listening from, you experience a sense of unity with the church around the world. This week, as we continue to explore what it means for us in the wake of the COVID-19 virus crisis, we discuss the church at the crossroads, this opportunity for us to uh, think about how our faith will be made stronger rather than weaker in the midst of this crisis. Our reading today comes from Hebrews 12, starting at verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God, Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. The COVID-19 virus is a crisis of global scale and proportion, isn't it? I don't really need to tell you that. Uh, We see the impact of this extraordinary event nearly everywhere. And it's primarily a a crisis of health, uh, indicated by the number of people who have already been affected and the projections of those who will. Uh, It's been reflected in the number of people who have died and the projections of those who will. Uh, It's put enormous strain on our medical facilities, on our hospitals, on those who provide care. But it's also become a bit of an economic crisis as we've sought to reduce the impact of the health crisis, we've actually kind of made the economic crisis a little bit worse. It's become a social crisis as we try to figure out what it means to remain physically distant from one another when we know the importance of keeping physical closeness. It's raised questions about homes where domestic violence is already rife and whether this is only going to make that situation worse. This is a crisis of global proportion. But what makes it a little bit more unique is that this global crisis has actually become quite personal for us, hasn't it? And this is not a crisis that's just happening to them out there somewhere. It's not like we're reading about some horrible things that are taking place just in Italy or in Spain or in the UK or in America or anywhere else in the world. This is a crisis that's really come home for us. It's our health that we're concerned about. It's our hospitals. It's our medicos who are under pressure. It's our economy that's feeling the pinch. It's you and I who have noticed the changes in our income and the changes in our our households. It's you and I who are dealing with having kids at home. It's you and I who are working out how to care for those around us. This global crisis has become intensely personal for us. And and while in the midst of a crisis, what we're really trying to do is uh, to manage it, right? We're not trying to solve problems. We're not trying to look too far into the future. We're, We're just trying to get through what's taking place here. But I think it's really worth noting that crises are always an opportunity for for transformation. 
crises can become a real catalyst for change. I mean, again, right now, we're just trying to find our way through this thing. But you know as well as I do that when the dust settles on this in six, seven, eight months, however long it takes, there are going to be some changes. There'll be changes in policy. There'll be changes in our economics. There'll be changes in how we will address a pandemic in the future, should that arise. And there are going to be some significant changes. And those are all going to be catalyzed from the crisis that we are experiencing right now. And what's true in policy and in legislation is equally true in faith. Crises can become a catalyst for change in our faith. Many of you would have a story of faith that includes a crisis, something that happened in your life, something that changed things for you that ended up turning you towards God. And you may know people like I know people who have had crises take place in their lives and have not turned towards God, but have turned away from God. And and so really right now, as, as we as a community of faith in the midst of our wider community go through this crisis, we need to recognize that we stand at a crossroads. There's an opportunity for each one of us to come out of this with a stronger faith or the possibility that we might come out with a weaker faith. And obviously, I'd love it if it were the former rather than the latter. Before I look at that, though, I just want to say something really quite significant about the nature of faith itself. Because sometimes I think we have a really unhelpful uh, assumed definition of faith. We assume that faith is absolute certainty, that there is no room for doubt, that there is no room for questions when we have real, true faith. I don't reckon that's particularly helpful at all. Let me put it this way. I do not have faith that one plus one equals two. It's not a faith proposition. It's something that I'm absolutely certain of. I don't need to have faith that that is the way it is. Or take courage, for instance. Courage is not fearlessness. If I'm not afraid of spiders, if if spiders don't freak me out at all, then me seeing a spider and not freaking out is not a demonstration of my great courage. It's simply the fact that I'm not actually afraid of spiders. Now, I am a little bit afraid of spiders, at least in Australia, so please don't test me on that one. It's more hypothetical than anything else. Courage is not fearlessness. Courage is the capacity to act in the face of fear. And I believe that faith functions in a similar way. Faith is not the absence of doubt or questions. Faith is the capacity to act and to live in the face of and in the presence of our doubts and our questions about those unanswered things of life. But the question for us as we move forward then is how do we How do we give ourselves the best chance to strengthen our faith in the midst of this crisis? And there are two things that I think are pretty helpful for us as individuals and as a community of faith. The first of them is about our worldview. It's about how we view the world around us. And in particular, how we understand the role of suffering and hardship and crises. How how do those things work? How do we view them? And this worldview ends up creating a bit of a, a map for us. It gives us a bit of a destination that helps us lean towards God. And apart from the map, I think the second thing that we need is good traveling companions. 
And so those are the two things that I want to speak briefly about this morning, although I should probably uh, note that what I'm going to be saying today, not just this morning, but all day, uh, is going to be a little bit longer than the messages that I've given these first two weeks of online. So please bear with me because I think it's pretty important. So when we turn to consider, for instance, the worldview, the way in which we understand our world, I think that there are at least at least five different things that we can refer to that help us lean towards God or which hinder that process. So let me give them to you kind of, shall I say, in the negative, Uh, frame them up in ways that if we take them at face value would lead us away from faith. So, for instance, If we believe that suffering is incompatible with God's love and goodness, when we face a crisis or hardship, that is going to lead us away from faith. You follow me on this one, don't you? If I believe that suffering or hardship or crisis is somehow incompatible, it has nothing to do with and it it cannot be made to match up with God's love and goodness, then when I face that, I'm going to lean away from God. A biblical worldview, a theological worldview, a more robust way to understand suffering is to recognize that it is not incompatible with God's love and goodness. This coming week is Easter. Uh, We have our services uh, on Tenebrae on Thursday evening, Good Friday, and then all day on Easter Sunday. And we remember over that weekend the suffering, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And Jesus came, he suffered, he died, and that was an expression of and a model of God's love and goodness. Jesus demonstrates in a very powerful and profound way that suffering and hardship is not incompatible with God's love and goodness. Now, let me point out, I think this is important with all of these things. Saying that suffering is not incompatible with God's love and goodness doesn't make it any easier to go through. It doesn't give us any certainty in the midst of it, but it actually helps us lean towards faith, lean towards God. So that's the first. I think a second is quite similar. We can sometimes assume that God's priority for us is our comfort and happiness. And again, you can see why if we believe that that's how the world works, that that would lead us away from faith when we face hardship. If we believe that all God is concerned with is our comfort and our happiness, then when something interrupts those things, we're going to lean away from God. But a more biblical way to understand God's priorities for us is to recognize that he wants us to become mature followers of Jesus. He wants us, first and foremost, to be in relationship with Him, a deep, trusting, faithful relationship with Him. He wants us to become mature. He wants us to be renewed in every aspect of our lives. And while that will bring with it a certain degree of blessing, that does not equal our comfort or our happiness. There may be joy along the way, which is different than happiness, which is another matter altogether. But ultimately, we need to recognize that God's priorities for us are slightly different. And again, when we recognize that, it helps us lean towards God in faith. I think a third aspect of this worldview that can lead us away from God, away from faith, is when we begin to believe that suffering and hardship is somehow 
personal and vindictive. That, that it's God's way of getting me. It's God's uh, direct statement to me about uh, how my life is going and that God has done this to me in a particular way. And, and that's not a great way to understand suffering from the biblical perspective either. And as a bit of an aside, and if you're looking for questions for the big three, this might be one. I think too often Christian responses to crises in the world has been to make really simplistic blanket statements that this is God's judgment because of our sin. And while we might be able to lay some of the blame for what's taking place at the feet of human folly or greed or selfishness, generally speaking, to say that this is God's judgment for our sin is so vague and simplistic that it doesn't actually help catalyze any change. What we see in the Bible is that suffering and hardship and difficulty is part of this broken and fallen world. And that while there may be some lesson that God hopes us to learn in the midst of suffering, that there might be some way that we grow and develop in the midst of hardship, that God is not being personally vindictive when these things happen to you or to I. I think a fourth thing that we um, can sometimes assume as part of our worldview around suffering and hardship is that we deserve an answer. And we deserve an answer to why this is happening to me. And kind of as, as a subset of that, we also assume that if an answer was given to us, we would understand it. If you have some time, and I know that you do, I'd encourage you to read again the book of Job. A book about suffering, a book about questioning suffering, a book that asks the question, why do bad things happen to good people? How can, can we get to the bottom of all of that? And when God shows up at the end of the book, he doesn't actually answer the question. Instead, he takes Job and his friends on a bit of a tour of the universe. He says, can you understand anything in the material universe? Do you really understand how the material world works? Do you understand the things that you can see and, and hear and taste and touch and smell and test? Do, do you understand the world? And if you don't understand the, the physical world, the material world, then how in the world are you going to understand the moral and God's statement, his implied statement is, I have created the material world and the moral world. I understand how both of them work. And right now, all I'm asking for you is to trust me. Now, again, I want you to notice that having a worldview that says we don't deserve an answer necessarily, and we might not even understand it if we were given it, doesn't make dealing with the suffering any easier but it tends to lean us towards faith. Instead of turning to God for answers, demanding answers, and then being disappointed and turning away when we don't receive any, it instead, instead turns to God and says, I trust you even though I don't fully understand. I think the final part of a worldview that can that tend to lead us away from God is that suffering is meant to be overcome and triumphed over. And while we certainly want to uh, come through a crisis, while we certainly hope that things will return to normal, while we certainly hope that our businesses and our families will, will bounce back from all that's taking place in, in this current crisis, the New Testament presents a very different kind of view of hardship and difficulty and crisis. Not as something necessarily to be overcome and conquered, but as something to be endured. 
The reading from Hebrews chapter 12 talks about how Jesus endured the cross. As I said, it's, it's almost Easter. We're going to be remembering again that Jesus did not overcome the cross. He didn't conquer the cross. He died on a cross. And somehow in the endurance of that, he brought about victory. It's a very upside down way to think. But when we demand that the crisis that we go through is conquered and overcome, that leads us away from faith. Whereas a statement that says we want to endure through this, we want to persevere, tends to lead to faith in the sense that it asks us to approach God for the resources, for the hope, for the strength that we need in order to be able to persevere. If we have this worldview, a worldview that understands that suffering is not incompatible with uh, God's love and goodness, if we understand that uh, suffering is not personal and vindictive, if we recognize that God is not interested primarily in our comfort and in our happiness, if we recognize that we don't necessarily deserve answers to our suffering, nor will we necessarily understand them, if we can grab this as a bit of a worldview, as a bit of a map for us when we face difficult, hard times, when we go through crises, I believe I believe it will help us lean towards faith, lean towards God rather than away from him. But that's only the first part, having a, a worldview, a map to help us figure out where we are going to find God. But the second thing that we, re, we really require are traveling companions. And I want to say three really quick things about traveling companions on the journey of faith. First of all, if you don't have any traveling companions on your journey of faith, get some. The journey of faith was never meant to be a solo expedition. It was meant to be done with other people. Now, we might have personal devotions. That's all well and good. But we were meant to journey together in faith. So find some people to travel with. Secondly, if you're going to travel with other people, make sure they're using the same map that you are. If you go through a crisis or a hard time, uh, with people who believe that they deserve an answer and that suffering is incompatible with God's love and goodness and some of the other things that I mentioned. And those are the people you're traveling with. You're going to have a hard, hard time coming through a crisis with a stronger faith. It's much more likely that the people you travel with will determine your destination. So travel with people who have the same map that you do, who want to come out of a crisis with a stronger faith, as difficult as that may sometimes be. And thirdly, why don't you try to be a good traveling companion? You, yourself, be a traveling companion for those around you who might be struggling with the doubts and questions that they have in this crisis and how they might lean towards faith. Be someone who not only affirms a biblical worldview around difficulty and hardship and crisis, but also be someone who responds effectively to those who may have doubts. Can I put it this way? If someone has been brave enough to say to you that they are experiencing significant doubts in their faith, if their crisis in their business or in their family has become a crisis of faith, the worst thing that you can say to them is, don't feel that way. Or to say, you can't feel that way and kind of look around and make sure nobody overheard them. That reinforces this idea that faith is certainty. Instead, listen to them. Say, yeah, that's, that's a really significant doubt. I've experienced that myself. 
That's a really important question. I'm not sure there's ever going to be an answer for it. But here's how I respond. Here's how I have found that my faith has been strengthened in the midst of crisis and difficulty. As a church, we stand at the crossroads. We are experiencing this crisis for ourselves. This is not them, it's us. And we have the opportunity to come out of this with a stronger, more robust faith if our worldview and our traveling companions are fit for the challenge. And just finally, can I remind you that what is true inside the church is also true outside of it? There are people in your families, in your neighborhoods, in your workplaces, whether they meet online or not, who are right now, maybe they've never thought much about God, maybe they've never had much time for faith or religion, but right now this crisis, their crisis of health or their concern for their family or their concern for their future or for their business, this crisis is even now turning them towards faith. That even now they're recognizing that they, they don't have answers to this. They're, they're recognizing that perhaps there's something bigger and beyond them in this situation. There are people who are experiencing a crisis of faith around us right now. And they need a traveling companion. They need someone who can help lead them to faith in Jesus. And that traveling companion might very well be you. So can I encourage you this week, apart from thinking about your own worldview around suffering, as well as thinking about how you might be a traveling companion with those around you. And let me encourage you to touch base with somebody this week who you know. Just touch base and see how they're going physically, see how they're going emotionally, see how they're going spiritually. But can I also encourage you to pray that the Holy Spirit might bring someone to mind. They might lay someone on your heart that you might have never thought would have anything to do with God, who may indeed right now be experiencing a crisis of faith and invite them to church over Easter. I know you can't come here and celebrate together and you probably won't be able to invite them to your house, but invite them to join you at the same service. Make sure you've got your phone available so you can text and see that they're on the lounge while you're on the lounge. And invite them to explore what it means to place their faith in Jesus, to place their faith in God and the plans and purposes that he has for them, even in the midst of these crises. We stand at a crossroads and our community stands at a crossroads. It's economic, it's health, but it's also one of faith. Let's be those who take full advantage of this opportunity to lead people and to walk together to a stronger faith in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And it's in His name that I say these things. It's in His name we pray. It's in His name that we gather. Amen. Where do you find yourself right now? Is your faith strong? Is your faith weak? And how are you going to make sure that by the end of this crisis, you are closer to God? I trust that you've been challenged to think about your own worldview and to also think about the traveling companions on your own journey of faith. And I hope that you will be a traveling companion for someone who is journeying towards faith themselves. Is there someone that you know who really needs to hear this message too? If so, why not share it with them? See what God does through that. And remember, you can follow us on Facebook or visit our website at gamiabaptist.org.au and join us for our services at gbconline.org.au. We hope to see you soon and God bless.